The following is a North Carolina Baptist resource. For more, visit ncbaptist.org. What we're going to talk about today is maybe the, the first conversation we, we might have with, with them about the gospel, but hopefully we'll have many, many times after we've shared this first one we'll, where we're getting to continue to build on this, this foundation of, of the what, three circles or whatever gospel presentation you're most comfortable with. Uh, we like to use stories. So as every time I'm meeting with, with my Hindu friends, like I'm just trying to bring up the, the story and just uh, build, build off of it, you know, with stories from, from the Gospels. Um, hey, have you heard the story of the, the Good Samaritan? Or have you heard the story of, of the, the man who, with, with leprosy uh, and how, how Jesus touched that man? And wh- that story in particular is very, very relevant, uh, relevant for people from a Hindu background. Um, where untouchability and, and caste is, is such a real thing. And so here in, in America, most of our Hindu neighbors are actually high caste, and they would be the ones that wouldn't want to touch the, the untouchable. Back in India where we served, we were actually surrounded by untouchables. And so they have different uh, interpretations of that story, but for both of them, they're saying, you know, Jesus is, is shattering our, our, our view of the world. Jesus, you know, this idea of, of untouchability, that there, there are differences between, uh, you know, two different groups of people. Jesus is coming in and he's shattering those, um, uh, those barriers that we put in. Really, like, we get to tell them that, you know, all men are created in the image and likeness of, of God. Um, so anyways, I'm, I'm James. I'm going to share on Hinduism and how we can contextualize the gospel for a Hindu worldview. Uh, we got Jonathan Derbyshire with us, who's going to share a little bit about sharing with a Buddhist. And then I got John Messiah, who's going to contextualize it for, uh, for a Muslim worldview. So raise your hand if you've never seen the, the three circles before. Okay, great. Well, awesome. So the, the three circles like, is just a great way you can, you can share, use three circles to share the gospel with, with anybody. Um, I prefer to have a have a note, notepad with, with me. Um, I like to draw it out with them. Of course, using the stickers is handy, but when you're drawing it, it's interactive. You can really bring, bring them in, into the, the conversation as well. They're like, well, like this, this story, he's drawing, drawing out a picture. A lot of times, I, I, as I've been sharing in, in a more public area, I've even had people just kind of like a group of people get around me like, what is he doing draw, drawing out this, this picture, like as I've done it in, in India and whatnot. But it really takes us from... Uh, from creation uh, in, the, in the beginning and, it, and through this, the story of, of the three circles, it takes us all the way through, uh, through the story of, of redemption, the, the grand narrative of the scriptures, taking us from, from creation to the fall to redemption and all the way to, to the restoration in, in, uh, in heaven. So as I'm, as I'm sharing with, with my Hindu friend, um, a lot of times I, I start... By sharing my story, that's a good way, uh, my testimony. It's a good way to get the conversation started, get talking about spiritual things. So I'll share a little bit about who I was before, um, before I was a believer and how Jesus has changed my life. And then I'll use, uh, a, lot, a lot of times I'll use a, a question like, can I share a story that changed my life? And uh, most people want to hear a story. If you ask for permission, uh, most people will say, yeah, sure. Like, um, I, I, I have three minutes, you can share a story with me. So I'll say, great. And I'll, I'll pull out my, my notepad and I'll say, okay, I'll draw this out. And um, here, 
you know, th- this heart, it, it represents, the, in the beginning, when God created the world, there was, there was perfect harmony uh, between man and, and woman. There was perfect harmony between man and, and nature. Um, you could even point out, you're sharing with a Hindu, you could point out that, you know, did you know that in the beginning when God created mankind that they were vegetarians? Um, that actually shocks them a lot, and it might shock you as well, but God gave them the, uh, God gave them the, the fruit and the seed-bearing plants for food. Um, and that, that actually, that resonates with, with a Hindu, especially their, their Brahmin. Uh, they're thinking that, I mean, that vegetarianism is a very, very key element of, of their, of their wor- worldview and say, in the beginning, there was harmony between man, man and nature, but most importantly, there was harmony uh, between man and God. And there, there was this, there was purity in, in, in the world, and and all, uh, you know, between na- nature and between God, there was this this pure existence, and there was this harmony. Um, but what what do we experience today, in in our world? And I'll ask uh, this question to them. Is our, is, our, is our world today, is it, is it a place of, of purity today? Yeah, is, is our, our world a, a, a pure place today? No. No. In, in our world today, it's a broken, a broken world. There's, a, you know, there's, there's destruction in our world. What are, what are some of the bad things that, that we experience in, in our world today? Broken families. Broken families. Yeah, drugs, yes, racism, murder. I'll ask them, you know, like it's a very interactive as I'm sharing this story with them. I'm going to be ask, asking them to, to join the conversation with me, uh, like get, get it inter- interactive, you know, and obviously, yeah, our, our world is, is a broken place. It's a um, and that wasn't the way that God first created it, though. There, in the beginning, remember, it was there was purity, there was harmony, you know, and, and it was good. And God said, over and over again, it was good, it was good. And when he created man in his likeness and in his image and woman, he said it was very good. It was very good. So what happened? What happened? How did it get to this place? How did it get to where we are today, where there's so much brokenness? And the Bible tells us, the Word of God tells us that the first man, the first woman, that they sinned against God. And the word for, for my Hindu friends, I'll, I'll use the word for, for sin from the, the Sanskrit or Hindi, a lot of the, the North Indian languages, pop. Have you heard this word pop before? No. Oh yeah, like mo- most of them have heard it or with, um, if they're Urdu speakers, there's another word that I, I could use for, with them, but you just trying to use some, some of their vocabulary. So we got to learn a little bit about their, their vocabulary if we want to contextualize it. Because like sin, the American word might have like, or the English word, they might not completely understand what, what that means in, in their worldview, but they have an understanding of what this word pop means. And so, yeah, so God gave them a command and they, they disobeyed it. And God said that when you break this command, death will happen. Destruction will happen. So everything that we now experience is, is a result of, of their sin, of their pop. But the Word of God even says that all of us have sinned. All of us have, have done this, this pop. And so we all try many different things to get out of this, this brokenness. 
Like, so what are some things that we as humans try to do to fix our problems, our spiritual problems? Education. Education. So here again, I'm, I'm getting them to interact with me. Um, I'll usually hear, I'll, I'll share like a little bit about my, my testimony. I'll say, man, there was a time in my life when I was, I was trying to get out of it through, through drug abuse, through, you know, through crime. Like, and I was just trying to, uh, find pleasure in, in the things of this world. But guess what? The more that I, I, I went down that path, it actually brought me deeper into the brokenness. What are some other things that we try to do to solve our problems? I'm sorry. Things, materialism or money, education, um, alcohol, yeah, exactly, escape. And then I'll ask them, like, what do you think? What do you think we have to do to get out, out of it? Or, like, how can we, how can we get peace with, with God? And um, if, I'm, if you're sharing with a Hindu, um, a lot of times, if, if they know what they're talking about, they'll, they'll be like, well, you just got to do it, enough good things. And so this idea of, of like karma, which actually, this word just means deed or work. Now, of course, they're thinking this is karma from your, your past life is affecting, affecting this life. Um, but they're thinking you, you just got to do enough good things. Or how can you... How can you fix your problems? Uh, how, can you, how can you have a, b- a better life that you're going to think, well, you just try to do enough good things to out- outweigh the, the bad things. And so really, yeah, every, every religion in the world, save biblical Christianity, is saying, if, if I can just do enough good things. So you could say like religion here. If I can just do enough good things, um, I, can, I can get peace with God. I can get re- restored to this place that, that God originally created where there's purity and harmony. But no matter what we do, no matter how many good things we, we, we do, we can't get rid of this, this sin problem. It's, it's like we're, we're dirty. We're not pure anymore. We've got, we've got dirt on, on our clothes. We don't have this, this purity anymore. We've got dirt on our clothes because of this, our spiritual clothes because of this sin. And so man cannot fix the problem. It was God. Uh, who created everything in the beginning. It was man that destroyed it. And man has shown that we are incapable of, of fixing our, our problems ourselves. It has to be God who fixes the problem. And that's exactly what he did. 2,000 years ago, God became a man. And so the pure God came down to earth and he became a man. His name is Jesus Christ. And he became a man. He lived a perfect life that we could not live. He was pure, he was holy, and he was hated, even though he did so many good things. He was hated by the, the leaders. They, they arrested him, they killed him, they put him on the cross. But this death on the cross, it wasn't an accident. It was his plan from, from the beginning. Um, uh, Jesus said, no one takes my, my life from me, but I, I lay it down on, on my own accord. It was the sacrifice, or he said, like in, in Hindi, a word you could use, Balidan. And I, I give, I have, and I'll, I'm going to get everybody's email addresses, so I'll give you guys a, a, a copy. I've only got maybe enough for 10 of you. I've got some of these, um, these phrases that, that I use. Balidan is just the word for sacrifice. Um, I'll use this, so like, if, if they're Hindu, this is a Sanskrit word, so whether they're from the north or the south, they're going to be familiar with, with this word, Balidan. It's the sacrifice. He was the sacrifice or the Balidan for, 
for our, our sin. And um, here, like a, a, a verse that I like to share with them is 2 Corinthians 5.21. Does anybody know that? Have that memorized? Yeah, amen. And so here, I'm going to, I'll kind of use their, their language of, of karma. Like, you know, we all have all of our karma in this life. I and mean, we only have one life to live. Uh, another verse is, that I like to use here, Hebrews 9.27. So I'm just, I'm going to, that verse right there takes care of, of the, the problem of whether there's reincarnation or not. Does anybody know Hebrews 9.27? It is appointed for, for man one life to live, and then comes the judgment. So that's, um, that's actually good news for them because reincarnation is the problem. So as we're sharing the gospel with people from other, other faiths, we need to know what their problem is, their perceived problem, and their perceived need. And so for a Hindu, the, the perceived problem is the, the cycle of, of reincarnation that they're in. Like, it's not a good thing. Like, uh, New Age people in, in the West have, oh yeah, reincarnation is great, and car- you know, want to have good karma, man. Like, no, for, for, for Hindus, if they know what they're talking about, karma it, and karma and this cycle of reincarnations, or they call samsara, is the problem. And they want liberation from that samsara, from that re- reincarnation. This is good news, brothers and sisters. G- uh, the writer of Hebrews tells us that it is appointed for, for man one life to live. So we don't have to worry about this, this cycle of life. But there's, there's bad news. There's a judgment. And then comes the judgment. So we have to be ready for that judgment. Jesus died as, as the judgment for us. For, uh, 2 Corinthians 5.21 tells us that He took our sin upon Him. He took all of our bad karma, all of our bad deed, all of our bad works. He put it upon Himself so that He could give us His, his perfect karma, His perfect righteousness, His purity. And so the, the Word of God tells us that if we... So here's a person praying... If we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, and uh, if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, and we believe in our heart that God raised Him from the dead, we will be saved. That's uh, that's Romans ten nine. So Lord is is a word that, again, another word that I I like to to use, like as I'm sharing with with a Hindu, like because they've all got like I'll, I'll ask them who who's your Lord. Because um, every every Hindu, if if they know what they're talking about, they've got a um, a family deity that they maybe have said that he I'm I'm a devotee of Krishna or I'm a devotee of Ganesh or of, of Shiva. Say so I'm I'm a devotee of of Lord, but he is, Jesus is called the Lord of Lords and, and the King of Kings, and he is the only true Lord. And that at, on that day of judgment, every uh, knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. He is the Lord of, of lords. And so the Bible says, if you believe in Him, you will be saved. All of this, you, like um, all of our, our bad righteousness, like our, our bad works will be taken away from us and He will give us His per- perfect righteousness. He will give us peace in, in the midst of, of this suffering and He will restore us. He will restore us. To his original plan, and so in this life, we'll have have peace and, and hope. 
in this life in a way that we didn't have before. I know in my life I've ha- I have this peace in my life in the midst of, of the suffering, but I know that there's coming a day, and the Bible says that there's coming a day after the judgment when man, those who have been redeemed, those who have been saved by Jesus will be with God again. And it will be just like it was in, in the beginning. Man and God will be living together in, in unity. There will be harmony between man and God again. And all of, our, all of our tears will be wiped away. All of the suffering will be taken away. And the mo- most importantly, death will, will be no more. And we will live with, with God forever. And so after I've, I've shared this with them, um, then there's three questions that I'll ask. I usually like maybe draw a line down the middle and be like, you know, all of us are either here, we've been restored, or we're, we're still here. We're living, we're living in, in the, the darkness. We're living, living in the brokenness. Where are you? So the, the questions I, I ask, where are you? And so you're trying to determine where, where they're at. Most people are like, they'll try to say, oh, maybe somewhere in the middle. I'll say, no, you can't be in the middle. Like you have to, you're either here, you've been restored, or you're, you're still living here in the darkness. All right, where are you? Where do you want to be? Everybody wants to be here. Everybody wants to be restored to God's design and have peace in this life. But then uh, the third question is, um, how do you get there? And so at that point, you're going to figure out what what their little squiggly line is if you haven't already determined it. And they'll say, well, uh, you just have to be a good enough person or have to get get enough good good karma or whatever. And then so then I'll, I'll just... Just reiterate what I've, I've shared right here. Be like, man, I understand what, what you're saying, and we all want to be be good people. But what are you doing about this sin problem? You know, how are you going to cl- clean yourself of, of this sin problem? I just want to want to share with you, Raj or whatever his or her name is, that this alone, that the righteousness of, of Jesus alone, is what can you know clean us of this this sin problem and and make us pure. Um, do you want to follow Jesus today. Like he, he says, you know, like if you believe in me, like you will not perish, but you will receive everlasting life. Is this something that you want to do? So you want to give an opportunity for, for a response. And then they say yes or no. If they say yes, then you just walk, walk through, through it with them. And if they say no, then you ask them, well, would you be interested in lear- learning more about this? Now, I'd love to, I know this is a lot to take in in, in one sitting. Um, I would love to just uh, continue to meet with you. And then you could start in this, like I, I told you guys about uh, this manual. We have, uh, we call it D- Discovery Bible Studies, where you're, you're meeting with them on, on a regular basis, just trying to answer their, their questions and, and walk them through, um, through uh, just the plan of, of salvation. Okay, so this is for uh, a Hindu worldview. Um, any questions about this, the Hindu worldview before... Jonathan go, goes on to share about Buddhists. Is it, um, <clears throat> is it true that the, the Hindus have a number of gods? In other words, uh, it's not just one god. Yeah, it's very, very true. Um, yeah, like, and that's why we want to emphasize this, like, Lord, He is the Lord. And that's one of the big, biggest problems. Because most Hindus are very, very happy to accept Jesus as a God, right. as, a, as a Lord. And so you, you do have to address that. And that's, that's why what I was going at right here is like, no, he, he is the Lord of Lords. And, uh, yeah. And so, yeah. Isn't that true for all three of these 
Well, and so with uh, with with Muslims, uh, they would say they would say, yeah, Jesus is a prophet. They would have they would actually have a big problem with with saying, oh, he's God. Yeah. yeah. And John will go into that. Um, if if you are. I, I think I only have 10 that I printed out. So if you. Yeah. If you're here today and, and you if you just pass those around, if if you know that you're going to be walking alongside of some some Hindus in, in the near future, um, there's some of those terms on there. If it's in bold, that those are some of the more more important terms that I'm going to try to get out. Um, you know, it's just like you, you might say, "Man, I, how am I going to learn learn all, all of these words, all, all this vocabulary?" Like if if you really if we really want to lo- love you know our, our neighbor as, as we love ourselves, if you go to a foreign country, you're going to have to learn learn that language. So if we're going to be developing relationships with Hindus or, or Buddhists or Muslims, it, like there is a level of, we might not have to become fluent in their language, but we need to learn, learn some of their heart language, you know, like, like, uh, like how are they thinking about, about their worldview, what their most important worldview uh, questions are, terms, and again, what their perceived needs are and the perceived problem. And I believe that, that the gospel um, answers like all of our perceived needs, no matter what, what culture we're, we're from. Because uh, every, uh, every promise of God has its yes and amen in, in Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. And, um, and then actually, one last thing. Um, I've, got, I've got some contact sheets. I'm going to... Have those, Zach, have those been passed out already? Or? Okay, you got them. There they are. If... We don't have your contact information. If you just pass these out, we'd love, love to get that from you guys. And we'll send you guys like a digital copy of these two so you could distribute them to, to your church as well. Okay. All right. So uh, my name is Jonathan Derbyshire. Uh, I work primarily with Buddhist background um, people groups. And so we're just going to kind of go through uh, the same presentation, um, but, but for a Buddhist context. And what I'm going to do just for time's sake... I'm going to go ahead and share three circles with you, as I would with a Buddhist. And then at the end, I want you to, to tell me, what did you notice that I did different? And then we're going to get a little bit of Buddhist worldview, and I'm going to explain some things on that. Does that sound good? I'll just give you a little bit of background. My, I grew up in Thailand. My parents are missionaries at the International Mission Board. They're still there. It's been about 28 years or so. Um, I currently am, am working with Zach Lyons, People's Next Door, uh, I love studying this. In fact, I love it so much, I'm trying to get a PhD in reaching Buddhists. So this is a passion of mine. It's a love of mine. And if you guys are dealing or, or working, dealing is negative, it's derogatory. If you are working with Buddhists and you're trying to find a way to reach them, I would love uh, to talk to you about that, all right? Um, and those contact cards, if you reach out to us, I'll be able to, they'll be able to touch us together. That sounds, all right, here we go. Um, three circles. So what, typically what I start with is I say, if we look into the world today, if you look on Facebook, everybody's got Facebook. You look at Facebook, you look in the news, uh, the world, there's a lot of suffering. You know, we've got disease, we've got, we've got plagues, we've got earthquakes, we've got, uh, you know, you name it. Um, we've got problems in the world, and there is tremendous suffering. And, and all of life, all of humanity for thousands and thousands of years have been trying to escape suffering. Right? So what do we do? What, how do we escape suffering? You know, what, what are some of the things you do? And you guys can go ahead and shout out a couple. What are some of the things you do to escape your suffering? Go to the doctor. 
You go to the doctor, okay? So you go, um, let's draw a little stethoscope here. Um, so you go to the doctor, okay? What are some other things you do? Exercise. You exercise, okay? So we exercise. Maybe, um, maybe you also go to the temple and you do some merit, right? You know, you help, your, help yourself out there, get some merit done. Um, so you go to there. But see, here's the problem. Does your suffering ever go away? It doesn't really. Right. You, you typically get reminded of your suffering. You know, sometimes maybe it's we go and we try to find a relationship, you know, and and that that kind of breaks apart. And there's more suffering involved with more people. Or sometimes, you know, you go out and you try to make money so that you can pay off your suffering, pay off your debt, you know. But every time you end up returning to this world of suffering, there seems to be no real escape from suffering. But let me tell you something. Did you know the Bible tells us? that the world was not made that way. The Bible says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and he created all things good, and he created humanity, and he created humanity with great purposes. He created humanity to, to bring honor and glory to the creator and to have a right relationship with him. And to do that, we call that also being holy, being clean, right? And so the world was great. We had good relationship with creation, we had good relationship with one another, but most importantly, we had great relationship with the one who created us. So what happened? You might ask, what happened? What happened here? Why are we suffering now when God, who created the heavens and the earth to be good, created to be good, what happened? Well, the Bible says, man sinned. And I'm not as good of an artist. Well, I'm not I'm very not as good of an artist as James is. So, um, but we sinned. And what, what is actually sin? Every Buddhist has a concept of sin. And this is one of the things that's incredible to me is for uh, uh, a religion that doesn't really philosophically focus on sin, everybody in Southeast Asia at least has a concept of sin. So I, said, so I explain. What is sin? Sin is when we disobey God. We were created to have a right relationship with Him. And that is holiness. That is cleanliness. But we disobeyed. The first man and woman disobeyed God and they sinned. And this means they can no longer be with God. Because that which is dirty cannot be with that which is clean, right? And so we come out here and we're in the suffering. But see, here's the thing. The Bible says that God is love. God loves humanity. He doesn't want us to stay in our suffering. But nothing man can do can get him out of suffering. There is nothing that we can do to cleanse ourselves. It's like this. If I was to tell you to go clean a table with a dirty rag, you can scrub, 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 scrub that table. Is that table clean? It is not clean because the rag was already dirty. That is like humanity trying to cleanse themselves. You're trying to clean yourself with something dirty. So something outside of you must help you. And so God, who loves mankind, sends Jesus Christ to live a perfect life, the life that we're supposed to live, and yet die on the cross. See, the Bible says the penalty for sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. So Jesus lives a perfect life, which means he does not have to deal with the punishment, but he takes our punishment anyways, so that anyone who would turn from their sin and repent of their sin and make Jesus Christ Lord of their life. They can know God too and be made in a right relationship with God who made them 
and live eternally with him. In this story, where are you? Who are you? Are, do you, do you, are you in this life still suffering? Or are you living like this person, fulfilled and, and in right relationship with God and the things that he created? Where would you like to be? Okay, simple. That's just, I, I try to do it in three minutes. But here's another thing I really like about what James was talking about. This is not a silver bullet. In fact, most evangelical tools you use are not a silver bullet, but it is, a, it is the starting point. Okay? It's a great thing, which is cool because anytime I start talking to them about something else, if, we, if they have life problems, if they're trying to have visa problems, if they, have, if they have problems with what they're reading in Scripture, you have something, you have a context from the very beginning to point them to. So do you remember when I told you about suffering? This is where you are. And then it's also a great opportunity. What I tell people when I'm training students to go overseas and do this, I tell them, can you share your testimony through this? And a lot of them at first said, no, I can't. I said, okay, well, <laughs> tell me your testimony. Because you can. You should be able to. Or we were not sending you overseas. <laughs> um, and so what I'll do for me, um, I grew up in Thailand. And I grew up in a place that's very well known for spiritual um, presence, for spiritual, for witch doctors. And I grew up scared of that. And I, you couldn't go to a certain part of town because there's the, the pee. You know, there's the, um, the, the local ghost, the local spirit. And so I was scared. And I, was, I couldn't be alone at night. I couldn't be alone in the day. I was just so afraid. And I was suffering. I just couldn't get through the day. And I tried different things. I tried to get stronger. I tried to have better teammates. You know, I tried to have be- people who were better at spiritual things. But nothing worked. But someone told me about Jesus. And they said that Jesus had died for my sins. And the reason I have this fear is because I have sin in my life. And I knew if I wanted to do, if I wanted to be saved, if I wanted to be saved from my fears, I had to know God, the creator of the heavens, the creator of heavens and earth. But the only way I can do that was if Jesus, if I repented from my sin and I allowed Jesus to be Lord and Savior of my life. That's my life. And this is why I want to tell you that story. So do you kind of see an idea there of, of sharing your testimony through this tool and then being able to identify key parts in their life um, that you can point back to this image? Okay. What are some things that you notice I did differently? Well, you started with, the, suffering. with the suffering. Yeah. Why do you think I started with suffering? Well, that's where Buddhism starts. That's where Buddhism starts. So I would like to start, it's very easy for me to come up, or for any of us, to be like, have you ever heard about Jesus? Right? And that might either turn them off immediately, or God's doing some amazing things in their their interest. But But what I like to do here is, the first thing that comes out of my mouth, generally, I want them to say, yeah, that's true. I know that's true. And that, from that point on, now I've got them a little hooked. Right. I'm not just some of, uh, you know, another evangelist who's coming out there who starts with, you know, Jesus is king of your life. Jesus, you know, died for you. I'm saying something that's that they know to be true and is actually biblically true. Right. So I started. That's very good. What else did you notice I did different? Um, One thing I focus is creator. So I talk about him as creator. Um, I got to have have a chat with a couple of of people outside Um, my my passion to, to, of what I like to introduce to Buddhists is God as creator God, uh, so that they know that they fall in line to a hierarchy of God has to be Lord. I mean, that's a natural thing. If God created the world, then he has the right to be Lord over you. Now, in the West, we don't necessarily think about that. You know, in the West, we think about, oh, God created me? I can fight back. 
I can take him. Um, or I try to find some way, some rationale to say that I don't need him. But in the, in the East, in Southeast Asia, it's you've got God who created, and typically I'll do creation to Christ with them, who created even the angels and even the spiritual and the principalities and the powers, and, and he's over that. So I like to talk about how God is almighty, he's all-powerful, he's Lord over all of creation. Any questions? I'll tell you, Buddhism is one of the hardest uh, people groups, I think, to, to, to witness to. Because they're, it's a lot like trying to witness to a river. It's like, oh, you're, okay, you're Buddhist, I'm prepared to talk to you. And then you're like, what are you, what are you saying? <laughs> that is wacky. That's wacky tobacco right there. Um, and so that's why this tool is so helpful, because you're, you're hitting the main points. The suffering, there's a creator. Um, and if you can hit those two points, there's a lot of things you can do. But if you can hit those two points, man, you're, you're, really, you're really setting them up. They do not. So that's a big thing. Um, I'll get to your question in just a second. So they don't even have a concept of God creator, which is interesting. I love, so Yai and I have been doing Bible, Yai's from Thailand. Um, we've been doing Bible study together for the last couple of years. And I love what, what he says is um, Buddhists in Southeast Asia believe in angels and they definitely believe in demons. And he'll actually, one of his first things is say, why do you believe in angels and demons, but you won't believe in, the, in God, the maker of heaven and earth? And there's, there's a huge thing. I, I, I don't like to do so much rationale, philosophy rationale on why they would do that. I mean, I think that there's a blindness. Like there's a sense of our desire to flee from God. And, and their nature, and I don't know why the West doesn't think more, like there's not more Buddhists in America, because it, it just hits all the points uh, that a human wants. Uh, you're in charge of your fate. You're here to escape your fate, and it's all up to you. And, and that's in the West. We, we love that. You know, individualistic, you can do it. And so they don't have a concept of God, and, and, and they think the world, nature is God. And if there was a God, some, there are Buddhists who's like, if there is a God, there is a power, then he's evil. Because how can God create a place of suffering? So again, I try to go to God created the heavens and the earth to be good, to have a right relationship with him. Yeah. What are some of the most important objections that Buddhists give? That they give me some of the most important. Um, so on a, on a truth basis, okay, on what is true and what is not, I will get almost no objection. And this is one thing that's extremely hard with working with Buddhists is they have no problem. I've, I mean, this, is ha- this happens multiple times where they will say, I believe what you're saying is true. God created the heavens and the earth. Um, Jesus came and died for my sins. And if I believe in him, I will be saved. And I say, okay, will you pray to receive Christ? And he says, no. He says, maybe I'll do enough merit, enough good in this life that I will be reincarnated as an American. Then I can be a Christian and go to heaven. So you're not just fighting with philosophy. You're not fighting with doctrine. You're fighting with a worldview that we just have to, with time. Um, or they'll say, I believe everything you're saying is true. I believe in the urgency of it. But my, uh, I'm, a, I'm, I'm Thai. I'm Buddhist. I'm Burmese. I'm Buddhist. I, I can't change that. My parents would not let me uh, do that. So I, I would say with the most, some of the most in, intense conversations I have with people are not on philosophy are not on doctrine. It's on family issues and worldview. So if you're working with Buddhists, you have to understand, you give this for them to have a context. 
You give this to them, they have, a, they have a, somewhat of a theology. And then for seven years sometimes. Yeah, how many years did you hear the gospel before you purchased Christ? 50 years. So, yeah, he's, he doesn't look it. He's over, he's, he's over 50. <laughs> um, so you just have to think, with Buddhists in mindset, some stats say... F- <laughs> some stats say five to seven years before, the, before you have a relationship with someone and they become seriously consider what the Lord is doing. And then other times, it's just a miracle what God... Anytime you talk to a Buddhist and they're like, oh, that's intriguing, you're like, okay, the Spirit is working in this person. Um, so, yeah. That's what I would say. Any other questions before I hand it over? All right, you're up. Oh, please leave it. Okay. <laughs> so I will not make a nice drawing like this, so I'm going to keep it, and I'm not going to make a better presentation. So <laughs> uh, uh, my name is John Messiah, and uh, I am from Egypt. Uh, I came to America uh, 12 years ago. Uh, I was in ministry in Egypt. I grew up in a Christian family. My parents are in ministry. So I was uh, doing ministry. I came to the Lord when I was in uh, high school. Um, and then uh, during college time, that's when I started to love evangelism and share my faith with others. Uh, it wasn't to Muslim, though. I was sh- uh, reaching out to Coptic uh, Christian more because in Egypt, really, we, at this time, we couldn't reach, we couldn't share our faith with Muslim. Um, when I came to America in 2006, and... Um, I'm um, a pharmacist, and I did my uh, license, and I'm still working as a pharmacist. Uh, but God, uh, 2012, God started to move my heart to really love Muslim and reach them. Um, first, in the first six years for me being in America, if I see Muslims on the street, I just walk the other way. Uh, I don't want to talk to them. I left you over there. Why are you coming here? Let me enjoy my life in a Christian country. Um, but it was really... Uh, a lot of hate in my heart toward them. Um, and uh, God has to work on this. Um, and at a certain point, God showed me that they, Muslims are just victims of uh, wrong religion and the, the, the deception as many other, any other person who doesn't know Jesus. And they need Jesus to leave this darkness and come to light. And this when, car, when I started to distinguish between the evil of Islam and the uh, kindness or the loving heart of God for Muslim people uh, and start to pray for them and start to really reach out to them and God start to open my, my eyes on different ways on reaching them. Um, this is a wonderful tool, what we are uh, with today. And uh, I love uh, the way that Derby started is talking about the suffering. Um, that's, that's very, um, it's, it's very, as it's true with the uh, with the Buddhist, it's very true with Muslim too. And actually, Jesus himself did this. If you guys remember, when he talked to the woman at the well, he, he, talk, he didn't talk about theology or salvation. He talked about water. He touched it, her needs. And then when he started to speak to the weakness where she at and the needs that she has, she started to ask him about the theological stuff and the spiritual stuff. And this, how this conversation was very successful. So that's very true with Muslims. They are suffering. Um, they are suffering here, and they know they're going to suffer in the afterlife too. And uh, they always have this kind of fear. Um, so they feel the pain of the life we're living in. And they have a very unique uh, challenge 
and they, every Muslim is fearful of is when they die, they believe there's some kind of uh, suffering on the grave. They have to suffer in the grave for a certain period of time before even they, they, they meet God. And they know this is terrible. And uh, how much suffering they will have to go in the grave depends on how much, how much bad works they have done and how much good works they have done. That will determine. So when we come here and we talk about Jesus went through this suffering for us. He died and he was in the grave for three days and he took the whole punishment. That's a relief. So you don't have to take it. This will be a very, a very key point uh, to stress. I love the idea of talking about the suffering we are in right now, where we are, and um, that's not how God started. God created us in a perfect condition, and, uh, but it's completely different from where we are in now. And um, it's very true when we uh, do all this, uh, the way that we escape, we ask them how, how you escape. Uh, from the how did you try to escape from the suffering you are in and we will get the same answers that you will get from any other um, any any other human being actually uh, they add like Buddhists will do we just will do keep doing some good works because at the end God will wait how much good works we have done and how much bad and they believe that God will count their good works for hundreds or tens or thousands um, uh, there are different uh, hadith. Uh, hadith is what the Prophet Muhammad has said. That will tell them that God is promising to multiply your good deeds. And so one of the things that I always try to stress when we talk about the sin that we make that separated us from God, I talk about the story of Adam because that's where everything started. And I ask them question, how many, before, I, before we talk about the sin that Adam did, I said, how many good things Adam have done in, in the garden? Ah, they will count a lot. He was, uh, he was nice. He was good. He took care of the trees. He took care of the plants. He took care of the animals. He did a lot of good things. And then I said, how many bad things he did? He did one. So God didn't multiply his goodness. God didn't really, this all good things that he have done didn't cancel uh, the one sin he have done, and he has to bear the consequences of this. So there is no, um, so all of us, if you have done just one sin, you really cannot go back here, because one sin was just enough to get Adam out, and you are no better. Uh, one sin was enough to get him out, and one sin you have done in your life was enough to get you from here to there. Um, and then another thing we uh, talk about when we say that Jesus lived the perfect life, you will find a lot of controversy among Muslims on this. One of them will say, mm, actually, yeah, Jesus was a prophet and all prophets lived the perfect life. All prophets are sinless. So um, if, if, you, if they get this objection, that's very easy. Adam, they consider Adam as a prophet. So you say Adam is a prophet, they say yes. Uh, did he do a sin? Most usually, Muslims never think about that. They say, oh, yeah, he did the sin, but oh, I don't know. So whenever they, say, um, whenever they say all prophets are sinless, right here, we just can get the answer. And then you can go to all the prophets if, if you need to, but actually I never have to. Just that was enough to say that Adam, uh, uh, 
prophets are not sinless, except Jesus. And even the Quran says very clearly that Jesus is sinless. Um, there are two uh, uh, references. One of them is, um, I'm sorry, I don't have the reference with me, but I can look it up. Uh, one verse says that, uh, which means that I'm going to give you um, a child. Um, it's, it's the same word used for wisdom and the same word used for being sinless. But all, all, all the scholars in, um, in Islam, they say means um, a sinless child. And there is another hadith that says, uh, Prophet Muhammad said that hadith, that every child, when is born, is being um, kind of poked with, the, with the Satan, that he put a sin in their, in their life, in, in their body, except Jesus and Maryam. So Muslims actually believe it's not only Jesus who is sinless. They believe that Maryam as well is sinless. And these are the two that the Quran says very clear. They are sinless and lived a perfect life. So when, when we, uh, when we uh, say that Jesus lived a perfect life and he didn't do any sin, you can get some struggle here, but most of the time you will not. And then um, he lived a perfect life and then he died to take on our sin and mainly to take on the suffering that you believe that you have to go through, uh, which is the grave, the grave suffering. This is a, the biggest dilemma for Muslims that they always uh, worry about. Um, and then um, you will, if you, if you just share this story from the first time you meet a Muslim, you get them confused. It will not be a time for them to make a decision, but you will offer the invitation where you are and how can you make this decision to come. But as, as I said uh, in the beginning, you have to really touch as, as much as we need to touch their pain in their life. We also want to touch the, their heart. Every story we know about Muslims who came to Christ have three parts. Every story have three parts. The first part is they always are, get um, touched by a love of a Christian. They experience some kind of love that they don't see in their families and in their community. A Christian who really cared about them and show them love in a, especially a time of need. And the second part of their testimony will always be a dream that Jesus come to them in a dream. It's, it's, it's never fail. Every story I know, hundreds of people that Jesus come to them in a, in a dream. And the third part, they get disappointed with Islam. They have to go through these three, three phases before they make the decision to come to Christ. So the biggest part we have control on is showing their love, showing, showing our love to them, showing that we care and we really, especially when they are in need. Many times we have a relationship with a Muslim friend where we do a lot of study together or do a lot of conversation, but when they are in need or in pain, we walk away. That's very disappointing. They really, in, in, in the relationship I have with my friends and in the stories when I, have, I, I heard from many Muslim come to face, they didn't accept the message until they went in a tough situation and a Christian friend stand beside them and show them love. So we cannot take this part away from, from, from the gospel conversation. So what you're saying is you can't win them with words, you can't win them with action. 
we're, that, that's definitely true. That's definitely true. Um, uh, sometimes people already in, in a point where they they hear they already um, somebody invested in their life uh, with a lot of love and care, and they are in a point where they are really questioning their belief. This is the third step where they say when they start to get disappointed about what they believe and they didn't find the answer for their question in their religion, and they started to look outside. Many, many, many Christians here, uh, many Muslims here in America um, are in this stage. I'm going to tell you a wonderful story just happened two weeks ago. Uh, in the church, in the summit church, um, a guy coming, his, he has a car problem, so when he comes to the church, he, uh, ask, uh, he did Uber. So, uh, because he couldn't come in his car. So, driving to the church, he was sharing the gospel with the Uber driver. So, he was talking to the Uber driver about his personal story and how God saved him, and he just came out of prison, and he gave his life to Jesus, and now he's serving in the church. So, the Uber driver told him, he's, the Uber driver is a Muslim guy from West Africa. He told him, actually, I, Jesus came to me three times in the last months. And I know that he wants something from me. I don't know what it is. So he told him, why don't you come to meet the church? And uh, the pastor is uh, giving uh, invitation for uh, salvation and for baptism. So the man walked out and he came forward and he asked us to be baptized. He gave his life to Jesus and being baptized on the same day. That was like just two weeks ago. So it's wonderful stories about how God has been working in the life of many Muslims and just, they have, you have to, because they are in one of these three stages. Either they are uh, still need to be loved on, their heart is still hard, and they need to be loved on until God softens their hearts. Or they are in a position where Jesus already started to communicate with them, and they started to have this relationship with him. Or they are in the point where they need to understand what the gospel means and, uh, and make a decision. They were going to hear this gospel presentation five or six times before they make a decision, like my friend's uh, story. So it doesn't hurt always. We give them the gospel conversation. We answer their question. We walk one step at a time, but we know it's a journey, and God is working in their life. The, the two things that I would say, the biggest part, we can always offer, give love and, um, and compassion. Um, and the other thing is we can pray for them for dreams and visions. It never fails. It's a way that God is working for them because this is the way they really feel they are communicating with God. And also, we always to be ready to give them direction on how to come to faith and how to uh, give their life to Jesus. Uh, there are three or four questions or, or objections that will come out while you're doing this. I'm going to go through them very quick. The first thing I'll say is, would say, is, do you say, sometimes you say Jesus is son of God, and sometimes you say Jesus is God. Which one? And they believe that we are confused ourselves. And uh, yeah, they say, you are confused. You cannot make your mind, is Jesus God or Jesus son of God? And I always answer this very question, are you a man or you are a son of man? And that would just get it right away. <laughs> yes, yeah, so, yeah. So that... <laughs> That gets it right away because they are, what's that? Unless they're a woman. Or a woman, the same thing. Are you a woman or you are a son, a daughter of a woman? So, 
Yeah, or you, are you human or you are daughter of human or son of human? So either way, it's going to answer this question right away. The second thing is say, how, how in the world do you say that God will come in, in, a, in a person, in, in, in flesh? What, what, how you say it? I would say, do you, th- do you believe that God can do anything? He says, yes. So why he cannot become a man if he wants to? But he doesn't need to. Who decides that? Who decides if God needs to do it or not? If he wants to do it, then he, he makes the decision. Or if God wants to come to the, the world that he lived, what is the, what, 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 what way you think he should come as? Because the Quran says that God came as a fire on the mountain. And this fire was God. And God came to Moses in, in the push. So God came in material things. Which one is more logic and more appropriate for God to come in material things or to come in the highest creation that he created, in the form of the highest creation? So, um, but who, if, God, if God needs to come like human or not, this is up to him. We don't, we don't decide this. We just accept whatever he reveals to us. Um, and the other, the, the last thing will, they always object about and don't understand is the Trinity. And this is a big deal for Muslims, and they just get lost. And I'll be honest, we get lost about it too. So, <laughs> so we, have, we cannot start there. We cannot start. The first time we have this conversation, we try to avoid as much as we can. Uh, like when we say, God came in flesh, I would say, God sent Jesus to do this. Uh, because if we are in the first conversation, I don't really want to go deep in this. But when we go deep in this re- in, in, in conversation, and they st- we start to say, yeah, Jesus is God, and how to prove this, and what he did, and then we say the Trinity is, is very simple. There are two ways I explain Trinity to Muslims. Um, I, don't, I still don't have success with any of them, but this is the best way I could get <laughs> It's the work of the Holy Spirit. So it's, there is no way I can logically put it in a way that we'll understand. The first way I say um, God, exists in, God exists by himself, and he speaks his word, and he lives in his spirit. Because the Quran speaks about God's um, himself, which is absolute oneness of God. And the Quran speaks about Jesus is the word of God. And they will, they will, the Quran says very clear, Jesus is the word of God. And when you say, what does it mean? They would say, he was created by the word of God like any other human. I would say, so you are the word of God? He would say, no, no, astaghfirullah, it can be me. So I say, okay, so this is different meaning. So we explain the word of God is the same thing they believe about the Quran. They believe the Quran is the word of God. It coexisted with God. It's existed since God existed and they will never die. So I say, if you believe this about the Quran, that's what we believe about Jesus. He coexisted with God because he is the word of God. And the third one, the Quran speaks about Jesus is the spirit of God. Even there are mention about the Holy Spirit in the Quran multiple times. But text specifically about Jesus is Ruhallah. He is the spirit of God. So we, we know about God himself and we know about the word of God and we know about the Holy Spirit or the Spirit of God from the Quran. If you put these three together, they are not dispensable. They are not separate. You cannot separate them. They are one from the beginning until the end. And that's what we believe about Trinity. The second example I use is about myself. I am human 
I, I live in the flesh, and I have my soul, and I have my spirit. When I die, my soul and spirit go to God, to God and the flesh stays here. But um, the soul and the spirit are different, but not really... Um, they are distinguished for the function, but they are not separated from each other. So God, the sa- God is triple or trinity because you cannot separate the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And uh, each one has different function. And one very important thing to answer is when you say the Son of God, they, 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 that makes, what makes them really uncomfortable is they think that God has to get in relationship with Mary to have Jesus. And we have to really uh, disown this idea or speak against this idea. When we say son of God, it doesn't mean at all it's a relationship between a man and a woman to have a son. That's, that's not what it meant by the son of God. It is more closer to being the word of God more than being a son being, bo- being born from a, a man and woman relationship. Um, in question, or do I have time? Maybe a couple minutes. Yeah, maybe so. you can take one, one or two questions. Um. What's a good way to access the Muslim community? Uh, we we had a wonderful uh, thing that we have done in the Summit Church in uh, in uh, Raleigh. We've been doing dinners on the Muslim holidays, and this is wonderful, wonderful. The last dinner we had was in Eid al-Adha, which is a, a feast of the sacrifice, where they celebrate. Uh, Abraham sacrificing his son. We had 115 Muslims coming to this dinner, uh, other than the children. We had a ton of children. Uh, we really were not prepared for that, but it was, it was very good. But they came, we told them, we're going to celebrate with you. And um, on the table time, we had uh, each table, Muslim and Christian, each table. And we say, you tell us how you celebrate Eid al-Adha, what it means for you. We approach them in a way that we want to learn from you, which is very true, because Muslims are not the same. You can read all books as you want about Muslims. You're not going to learn as much as you spend a couple of hours with your Muslim neighbor or friend and listen to them what they believe. And that's exactly what you care about, because whatever they read in the book, if they don't care about, then you don't need to care about either. But you need to care about what they care about or how they believe. So we get them on the table. We ask them how you celebrate, what this means for you, how can we celebrate with you. And usually they invite us to, our, to their homes because they are very hospitable. And that gives you another opportunity. And after we had this discussion on the table, we, um, I, I was presenting uh, just for 20 minutes. I talked about the story from the Bible, Abraham sacrificing Isaac and how this relates to Jesus. It was a wonderful kind of discussion starting. So pay attention. They love to be visited on their uh, festival in the Eid. They always love to us to go visit them and give them congratulations. Thank you. And, um, and, and to that point, like our, our team, the People's Next Door team, like we, we exist to come alongside of your churches. We, we come, we do, do trainings. And, and a lot of times uh, we'll do a training, we call it an immersion experience where uh, where, whatever town you, you live in, like we'll try to find like the, the closest mosque or Hindu temple or Buddhist temple. And uh, we'll, we'll give you guys some, uh, some in-class uh, training in the morning. And then in the afternoon, we'll, we'll take you out. We'll, we'll, we'll go visit the, those places of worship. And then hopefully relationships uh, will, will form a, out of that. A lot of times they'll have open houses, like mosques will have open houses, especially around the, the festivals, Ramadan. 
almost every night during Ramadan, they'll, they'll break their fast. Every, every mosque in America, almost every night will be open up. They'll have, uh, they call it the, the iftar meals. And the, it's a come one, come all. It's, it's an it's a open invitation. And uh, they, they actually, they love it when, when Christians come and are lear- learning about, about them. And, uh, and then you, you, relationships get built out of that. We are out of time. Thanks. Thanks.